0: welcome to real estate real world where we talk to the movers shakers and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond your host is marguerite crispillo And she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy rollercoaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crisbello.
1: Hello everybody, this is Marguerite Crispillo and welcome to Real Estate Real World where we get to talk to all the cool people, the movers and the shakers in the real estate arena. And today is no exception. Today we get to talk to Brindley Tucker. Welcome. Hi. And Brindley was introduced to me from Matt Johnson and and Greg McDaniel. We have both been guests on their show and those guys are awesome. So. They always refer me incredible guests, and I'm thrilled to get to talk to you today, Brindley. I'm excited to talk with you as well. Good. Well, let me read off your bio so our listeners can hear who you are because you're kind of a big okay. deal.
2: <laughs> Says Thank Brindley, you.
1: Brindley Tucker unifies teams and helps agents increase leverage in their businesses. She is a licensed realtor and the owner of Your Realty Leverage, Inc., a recruiting, training, and coaching firm. Throughout her career, she has served in an operations capacity, love that, within several industries from Wall Street to real estate. Brindley previously owned a successful real estate marketing and transaction management company where she closed over 2,000 real estate transactions. Her, she gathered experience in building a successful transaction business from an independent operation to a team of seven in just three short years. This expertise now allows her to share her knowledge by assisting agents, brokers, and industry leaders to attract and retain top talent for their teams and offices. She helps bridge the gap between operations and sales through recruiting, training, coaching, and consulting. She's also the owner owner, and developer of Transaction Management Academy, a full transaction management training program. A resident of the Tampa Bay area since childhood she graduated from Northside High School went on to graduate from Texas A&M University where she is not attending to the requirements of being a business owner she spoils Maggie her seven-year-old Yorkie Poo (laughs) and she'll give you the same kind of full attention to help your team succeed welcome welcome thank you thank you yes my fur kid (laughs) (laughs) well I have six human kids and then I have three fur kids. So, but now God my, ki- bless you. my kids are all grown now. So now I just have fur kids at home. I don't have kids anymore. Although my 22 year old called the mor- this morning said, Hey mom, they're doing some inspection on my apartment. I'm going to come crash at the house. I'm like, all right. So they always, always, always come back. We always come back. Always, always. I love it though. I wouldn't have it any other way. So I, well, I'm massive,
2: awesome. massive respect for you. I mean, six children, Right, that's just wow. Adorable it's what caused respect. all
1: these wrinkles and the gray hair that I get to cover up. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> At least you have an excuse. I
2: don't have an excuse. I'm in the beer this morning, going, "Where's this coming from? Realtors?
1: That's where this is coming from." <laughs> oh my goodness, that is so true. So I love your story because I teach a lot about agents really learning to run their business like a business. Like to me, it's the biggest catastrophe of the industry so to speak in that you know most agents with all due respect they get into this business because they really don't want to work they got a regular job somewhere and they decided that they want to have a flexible schedule and they want to kind of work when they want to work and don't when they don't which is fantastic that's a great part about the industry but they're independent contractors and they never really learn to run it like a true business. They don't understand the business concept of how things work. So tell me how you ended up in this arena.
2: So um, my background, you know, I'm always learning based and I'm a a student in in everything in life. And I always, um, throughout my career, when I wanted to get into a new industry or learn a new role, I always became an assistant. I always thought it was a great path to learn a role um, to become acclimated in it. So my first job out of college was um, an assistant, an executive assistant in investment banking um, in on Wall Street. So I have always been operationally supporting leaders throughout their business. And um, about four and a half years ago, I fell into the real estate industry, mostly because I'm unemployable. And because I don't want to work for anybody and um, I don't like to be told what to do like most entrepreneurs and so I was going to become a real estate agent and I was like again I don't want to just jump into this industry which so many realtors do and they see dollar signs and they're like I'm just going to jump in and they end up wasting all of this money in their first year or two of business with nothing to show for it so I took a position um, an administrative position with a local brokerage and um, some things happened in my life where I had to, to make some changes and started a transaction management business. I saw a need for it in the market and um, was really good at it. Started doing marketing for agents um, virtually and for multiple agents and then it kind of morphed its way into teaching me how to do contract to close and then I would do contract to close and other agents on the deal would um ask me for my services. Well, I'm if you are familiar with the disk assessment, I'm a DI. I'm 99% B e and I'm 99% I. So by four by the end of four years, I was burnt out. I was like, get me out of here. And I had a bunch of SCs working for me. So I had done a really good job of leveraging the day to day that I wanted out. Yeah. I wanted out. And um you know I was able to build the team in such a short amount of time because I am a DI. But transaction coordination wasn't where my heart was anymore and um, I was able to have a pretty big influence on the team members when I decided to sell my business I sold it to um, all of them I consulted my way the business over to them and and now they're all running their own companies Wow! and so you know here it was for me I found out that my strengths lied in finding talent and developing talent you know and especially that that arena of the SC administrative operational, they're not people that typically voice and have huge voices. They're not typically people that have advocates that pour into them and and I just saw such a need for it. And because of my life and where I've come from, every day is a gift and I just wanted to help people. So I got a tap on the shoulder and somebody said, have you thought about coaching and training. And I said, not really. And we did a a one, three, five goal sheet on what I needed to do to get out of my business. And I was able to sell my business and shut it down in three and a half weeks.
1: Wow. And I had to look back. You know, it's so funny because so I've been in real estate 23 years, so a long time. And when I first got into real estate, I mean, probably, I would say at least the first 10 years, if not more, Nobody had transaction coordinators, like that was unheard of, that was not something that you did. And I remember when I first into real estate, so I started my company in January of 96 and within six months I hired an assistant. I couldn't, I'm like, there's no way I could do this, because I'm kind of a DI too. And so I hired an assistant and never looked back, I've never not had an assistant. And so from day one almost in my real estate career, I had somebody helping me. And then back then, like I said, we didn't have transaction managers or transaction coordinators. So we developed this whole checklist and this you know, the, uh, check, checklist of what needed to happen in the transaction. And it was pretty amazing. And then now, of course, there are amazing people like you who do it all for everybody. I, I wouldn't have had to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. So
2: so and that's what I have found is that A, agents are salespeople and you know, Gary Keller, who's an industry leader, tells us that there's five things that a real estate agent should be doing and everything else should be leveraged. And I've been a firm believer that, you know, when you come into the business, you don't necessarily have the income to support, you know, an assistant or to feed someone else. Exactly. So you start with transaction management. Um, in almost every market, except Boise, Idaho, where I can't seem to find one, so if anyone out there knows a um, transaction coordinator in Boise, <laughs> Idaho, let me know, um, they, you know, everywhere, that's an easy way to start with leverage. And 99% of our clients, when I had my team, their buyers and sellers paid for the service. Right. And so I tell agents from day one, start using a closing coordinator. Um, an independent closing coordinator that will take care of all the paperwork and the appointments and the deadlines. Plus, you don't know what you don't know when you get into the business. And a a, a talented closing coordinator or transaction manager will know the business and they'll make you look like a rock star in front of your clients.
1: So one of the things that I hear people uh, talk about is when it comes to managing the transaction, right? Like when it comes to the disclosures and the process and all that, some people will say, well, but I need to know that information. Mm-hmm. I need to know you know, what, what is there and, what, and, I, and so what is your response to that typically? My response is, is that you will learn the
2: process. It's impossible not to. Um, we don't just hand over, a big common mistake that agents make is they think, oh, I have a closing coordinator, I hand them the contract and then I'll see you at closing. And that's not the truth. That's not the best way to handle it, A, for your client, But B, you're not going to learn if you do that. But Mm -hmm. if you're reading your emails, which most agents don't do, if you're, you know, if your closing coordinator is CCing you on things and you're reading them and you're asking questions, you're going to learn how to do it. And my most successful agents that are top producers today started using a closing coordinator from day one and they know everything. It's impossible not to learn. I mean, you've been in real estate for 23 years. I mean, it's impossible not to learn. If that's a limiting belief that people use so that they can keep control because it's a lot easier to call
1: an inspector than it is to lead generate. Well, now that is a very fine point. You're right, because it's easier to go. Well, okay, so let's talk about that for a moment because I'm sure you see, I know you see the same thing, is that what a typical agent does is they hustle, 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 they get a couple deals in contract and then they stop lead generating and they focus all their time and energy on working on that deal, then that deal closes, they're out of business, they gotta hustle again. That's why you see the roller coaster ride- days. Of a typical mm-hmm. real estate agent. Yeah, 90 days. So what
2: we do now affects us 90 days from now. And so they stop lead generating, and then all of a sudden they don't have any deals. And that's the number one thing when you hire talent, is you're now responsible for someone else's family. You're now responsible for someone else. So if you're not in the habit of lead generating every day, it's very selfish to try to bring somebody on
1: so I know that okay so here's some of the other objections I hear right <laughs> some of the other objections are a I I I want to only pay them when I close a deal because I can't afford um, to pay them on a regular basis which I'd love to hear your opinion I have my own opinions of that That's um, scalable that was my opinion uh, right and you know <laughs> And so they go through this whole thing where, well, I can't afford somebody right now. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure you have a, a number. I think that the average agent can do about 12 to 18 deals a year, not even great, but they can do that without help. But they're never gonna break through that 12 deals a year or so if they do not, if they do not get help. Yeah.
2: So um, a couple things with that. If you're paying per transaction, it's not scalable anything in your business, operationally, systems, hiring, recruitment, anything that you're currently doing in your business, you should always be asking yourself, could I, will this system work if I'm doing 100 times the amount of transactions I'm doing right now? And if you think about it, if you are compensating them per transaction, your closing coordinator will end up making more money than your agents will at some point. So um, I would much rather see my operations managers and my admins and my TCs be tied to my profit because then they're bought into production. And I had this discussion yesterday with salespeople and with agents, how um, how do we track their production? Through units and volume, right? It's monetary, we can look at their units and volume and we can know whether or not their production's increasing or decreasing. With operations admin and TC, that's more difficult to do because they're not tied necessarily to a monetary amount. So how do you judge their performance? Referrals and reviews. What do you, how much of your business is coming from referrals? How much of your, what do your Zillow reviews look like? Because admin and ops are directly tied to customer service. That's their job. They're service based. So if you don't have good Zillow reviews or you don't have a lot of business coming back to you from your referrals, you probably want to take a look at your operations. So that's number one. So if you tie them to profit, they're gonna be more tied to the business and increase that level of customer service in order to increase profit, right?
1: So explain to me how what that would look like. They get some sort of a base salary plus a an amount of the profit.
2: Yeah. So a percentage of profit based on how you want to break down your profit. You can I've seen it done where you can do total baseline profit. You can put a cap on it. If you'd like, you can also start you know, at a certain amount, so after the company makes their first 10, $20,000 worth of profit, that's when your percentages kick in. You can also do year over year. So if last year we did $20,000 in profit and we did 40,000 this year, you only get bonus on the difference. So it's not total profit, it's year over year. This mm-hmm. also will help you if you ever wanna implement um, profit share. So if you ever wanna implement some type of profit share in your business, you can set up a whole profit share tree and, and plan when you start tying everything back to profit.
1: Um, so, so because of what I hear a lot of agents do, the mistake that I've made this mistake in the past, and I've heard other agents do it as well, is they say, okay, well, I'll give them, I don't know, 12 bucks an hour, whatever the number is, it doesn't matter where it is, 12 or 15 bucks an hour, and then I'll give them 100 bucks a deal or something like that, which sounds, like you said, it's not scalable. So what sounds good in theory, okay, when you close two, three, five deals a month, you know, that's an extra two or three, you know, $500 bonus, which is great. When you close 25 deals in a month, right, and you're struggling to make the bills because your expenses are so high, and your administrative person gets paid $2,500 or $3,000 on top of their salary, it becomes uh, a challenge, right? Yeah. So two things on that. First of all, I want people working
2: for me that are bought into my business and my vision and my mission. I want people working for me that want to accomplish the mission and vision that, um, I'm a part of, I want partners in my business. And therefore, if I want them to work that hard for me, I need to be willing to take care of them. When I start counting nickels and dimes and pennies, I'm in, I'm in selfish zone as I call it as a leader. Um, I'm not in selfless zone. And then second of all, I never wanna, and with that said, I don't ever wanna give my partners in my business something that I have to take away. So you just described, you could have five deals one month and 25 the next. So how do they balance their income and how they're providing? Also remember that this this mid-level is not like us. They don't get to make more money tomorrow because they sign more deals. Most of them are living paycheck to paycheck. I want to make sure that when my partners and my team members come to work, they're not stressed about money. They're not stressed about paying their bills. I'm going to have a higher level and a higher um, quality of, of, of partner and team member in my business if they're taken care of. So that's number one. Never take away anything that, um, never give anything you're going to have to take away. And then second of all, what happens if you decide to raise your price point and lower your units? Is that fair less. to your... Is that fair to your admin and to your person that's essentially the backbone and the foundation of your business? Remember, this person is doing everything you don't want to do.
1: But yet you don't want to pay them or compensate them to do all of that. So interesting what I say a lot of times is that, uh, you know, First of all, God does not put a salesperson and a good manager in the same body, We you know that, right? Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. There's, I mean, there's some wacky wackadoodle freaky freaks that, <laughs> that are able to do that, but for the most part, I, I don't, I have not not met one. The second part is, I think that people, agents, need to remember there's two types of people. There are people who get paid for results, which is what we get as salespeople, and then there are people who get paid for time which is your administrative people. And the way that I like to describe it differently is there's queen bees and worker bees. Worker bees can't survive without the queen bee and the queen bee can't survive without the worker bees. But, you know, those worker bees are doing the work all the time and they get paid for time. They are the people who can typically go home and shut off, you know, where us psychotic salespeople cannot, right? We're waking up at 3 a.m. trying to figure stuff out. And they're typically they're typically not motivated by money like we are. They're
2: usually motivated by task and completion. Um, the high, so to speak, that we as entrepreneurs and salespeople get from closing a deal, they get that from checking off a box on a checklist. Right. You know that's how their brains work. And you know I, without divulging too too much information, when I um, consulted my way out of my business, I mapped out how certain individuals in my organization can make could triple their income within 90 to um, ninety days to 180 days. And one of them chose not to. She chose to go work for one of my competitors just as an employee, a W2. She didn't want to own her own business. And that, that the moment I learned, yes, that she wanted to be able to spend her nights and weekends with her family. She didn't want to own her own business and have to do all the responsibility that came with that. And guess what? That's okay. Right. That's okay, and those are the type of people that I need in my organization working for me because they're intentional, they're focused when they come to work, um, and they're tied to task, which I don't I don't care about the details.
1: Well, and it's funny that you talk about the details because uh, you know, again, as salespeople, we are more bottom line oriented. And we think everything takes five minutes. Like I think everything oh. takes five minutes, right? Yes. So funny story, I'll never forget. Uh, Dallas, who was my manager for years, she worked for me for about 14 years. And she, early on, I would, she had to put listings in the MLS, right? And I'd be like, what is taking you so long? Like that only takes five minutes, right? Like it could only take five minutes to put that listing in the MLS. So one day I'm sitting in my office and she walks in with my, the other people on my team. And she walks in, she sets the uh, MLS sheet on the table and she sets a timer next to it. And I go, what are you doing? She goes, well, we're all confused because we can't figure out what we're doing wrong that it only takes you five minutes because it takes us about 30 to 40 minutes to get that listing put in the MLS. I'm like, well, that's crazy. They go, well, so we want to watch you do it to see what we're doing wrong. <laughs> Wait. It was brilliant. It was brilliant because I sat down. Of course, it took me like thirty to thirty-five minutes, and then I got partway through and I got frustrated because I didn't save it and I lost the information and, like, I was beside myself. Right? And I was like, "All right, so clearly things take more than five minutes, number one, and I will now back off." So,
2: <laughs> so, and that's the biggest thing. So, my clients that I coach, I don't just coach ops and admin. I coach. Um, agents on how to hire, how to fire, and how to keep um, their team members. And that is one of the most important things that I coach on because DIs, I mean, are so get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Right. And admins are, we still want to get from point A to point B, but we're going to take our time to make sure everything is done right. Right. And what we do as, are what high D's and I's do is we'll come in and we'll just brain dump or we'll come in 15 times throughout the day or send them an email and say, do this, do this, do this. And then we don't think about it again until we get a phone call from a client asking about it or something pops up in our email and reminds us. So ops and admin have to be able to keep painting the picture of what the cumulative to-do list looks like because we forget that. And so I always tell agents, if you're not having a daily huddle in the morning, then you're not communicating. And a daily huddle is a quick 15 minutes so that the admin can say, this is where we are on our list, this is the priority that I think it should be, and this is how long I think it's going to take, and this is why, right? And then the next morning, brain dump agent, right? Agent gets to come in, all those things that were spewing in your head at two in the morning that woke you up, you can dump, brain dump, and then the admin can reprioritize and make her list. But that communication has to happen when that's not happening is when the high d starts going okay oh my goodness now it's not getting done things are falling through the cracks she's not moving fast enough, just because they don't know
1: right yeah somebody i remember somebody saying one time they called it the seagull approach right fly in dump a bunch of crap on the desk and fly out and that is probably the biggest challenge for real estate agents in finding. so okay so let me describe how i say this so, Again, the seagull approach, they fly in, dump a bunch of crap, fly out. Usually an agent hires the first person who's breathing that walks past their desk. They don't take the time, the energy, the resources to hire, right? They throw that person in a desk, they dump a bunch of crap on their desk and fly out. And then they come back two weeks later and the poor admin is sitting there lost and confused, doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. And the agent goes, see, I can't find good help. Yep. Yeah. So. There's a difference between recruiting talent
2: and putting a butt in a seat. Okay? And when we don't follow a thorough recruiting process and we don't vet people and we don't ask for proof of skill set and we don't check references and we don't conduct two or three interviews with this person, anybody can show up in an interview and put on a show. I call it it's like it's like online dating, right? Yeah. So you look at their match profile and oh, they look good on paper, they're cute. And so then you set up your first date. Everyone on a first date is like, I'm awesome. Right. I've got this going on, I've got this. <laughs> and then as you start second date and third date, you know, they start showing up as their real selves. And if you're not digging deep to find out who they really are, A, I can teach a smart, loyal, hardworking person anything. I can't teach someone those qualities. I also can't force someone to be a cultural fit in my organization, right? And I have to know first and foremost, what my mission, my vision, and my core values are in order to know if this person's going to fit into that and into my big why, right? So it's setting the standards and expectations for your recruiting process, sticking to it, right? What happens is so many of us Look at that resume they look good on paper we get in front of them you like horses I like horses great let's start working together right you know nothing about this person and I can't tell you and I cannot explain enough how I've gotten to a third round of interview and the person has shown up and I get to see the real person or I have called a reference and I've asked the right questions and they're like no that person was always on their cell phone they never showed up on time well those are red flags
1: right
2: right that shows somebody that's punching a clock not treating it like a career
1: well and so again I, I think of all the objections that i hear in this because i love this conversation and one of the objections is i don't have time to do all that or the other thing is is i see a typical agent will hire somebody that is just like them that they like they're like oh this gal's a d or this they're you know motivated they're energetic they're all this they hire somebody who's just like them and yep. that is a train wreck too absolutely absolutely so the first thing to address is I don't have the time.
2: You don't have the, you can't afford not to have the time, right? So the first thing I ask agents is, we're supposed to realistic goal for us, year over year is to double our production, right? So most times I ask agents, what's your goal this year? Well, how many transactions did you close last year? Close 12, what's your goal this year? 24. Okay, great, but I don't have time to lead generation, lead generate for talent. Well, do you believe that if you had a strong admin, you'd have a better chance of reaching your goal? Absolutely, so then what you're telling me when you don't take the time to lead generate for talent, you're telling me your goal's negotiable. Are your right. goals negotiable?
1: Right.
2: All of a sudden, no. So if you're, if you're lead generating the way you should, just take a little bit more time. Instead of three hours, do four hours. Instead of three hours, do two hours to lead gen for business and one hour to lead gen for talent, right? You have to take the time and sometimes we have to slow down to speed up. And it's gonna be messy in the beginning and it's gonna take time, but the benefits and the rewards that you're gonna get six months to a year from now are are unexplainable, they're priceless because you're gonna be reaching your goals. Nobody can get to the next level without good leverage. No one succeeds alone, ever, ever. Oh my goodness, so, so good. No one ever succeeds alone, so that's number one. And then what was the second objection that you said? Uh, they, ha- they hire people like themselves. <clears throat> You do not need another you in your organization. You are enough. <laughs> right?
1: Oh my god! And think about it.
2: Yeah. I don't need two of me. I really. need my complete, I need my compliment. I need my, the person that, that makes up for my blind spots. If you've got both of us and we're the same, we've still got all the same blind spots. We've just doubled
1: them. Exactly. That is so true. That is so true. I know that uh, one thing that happened for me early on too was I, determined that I needed to have other people interview people because I hire the people I like, right? So, I ended up getting a gal that was a longtime friend of mine, she was a title officer and a manager and stuff, I said, I need you and then I had um, two of my good friends interview people and out of the five people that I picked that I thought were great, they did not pick not one of them. No.
0: And they had such great
1: opinions and thoughts on them, I was like, I never even thought about that, I never even saw that in them. So if you don't have you know, an administrative person to hire or find them, go get some friends, people that know you and have them interview them too. Yeah,
2: so Monica Reynolds, who I have much admiration and respect, who has kind of paved the way for what I'm doing in the industry. She says, pay your friends and family to stay away. (laughs) Seriously. Love pay that. them to stay away right Right? and I always say this if you're gonna hire friends and family make sure that you've had a conversation and that you're both on the same page and that you're you would fire them right right because when we start bringing friends and family into the organization our standards and our expectations go down and the, the number one I see more problems with agents retaining talent than I see them with hiring talent so dig deeper on that so I, I will see an agent hire talent and get this great person in place and then dump all of this on them like you said, and then they show up you know, 90 days into the job. Well, this person isn't doing a good job. They haven't done everything right. It's not the way that I want it. They don't have systems and models when they didn't sit down and clearly outline the standards and expectations of the role when the person came on board. This is where I expect you to be in 30 days. This is where I expect you to be in 60 days. This is where I expect you to be in 90 days. You're going to go to two training classes a month you're going to i'm you're going to sit down and you're going to shadow me on every single one of these items i tell agents when you are looking to hire an admin write down everything you don't want to do in your business because that's now going to become the job responsibilities of your admin and then you go down that list and that's you put them in the list in the order of priority of what you want to come off your plate first and then that's what you start training on and they and they shadow it and monica also says I, they do, I do it, they do it, and then I watch them do it. So I've heard that said to uh, inspect what you expect, right? Well, and that's where I was gonna get next. So yeah. that's the next thing. So first is setting the standards and the expectations, then it's inspecting what you expect, right? So it's going back and having daily huddles and then once a week, one-on-one meetings. Once a, once a, once a week, one-on-one meetings are not for you to train. They're not for you to sit down and sell your vision. They're to inspect, what you expect. So that when you get to that 30 day, 60 day, 90 day reviews, they know exactly where they stand because you've been meeting with them on a weekly basis. My my admin and I go to lunch every Friday and we sit down and we have a list of 10 questions that we go through. How was your week? What were your biggest challenges? What, what can I help you with? What do you see the most help in? And that girl is a beast. In three weeks, she has done more for my business because I've had to take the time to make sure that she has the training, the mentoring, and the coaching that she needs. Because if I don't provide that, that's on me.
1: Okay, so one uh, huge, I guess, I don't know if it's a flaw or an attribute of most agents is they're very ADD. They're extremely inconsistent.
2: Kitty cats with flashlights. (laughs)
1: I've I've never heard that. So so and I know that I am that personality as well. And so I ha- struggle, I'm sure that many agents have the same challenge with that consistency. It's like you always feel like something comes up, there's other stuff going on or, you know, it's the, the consistency for salespeople I think is one of the biggest struggles because we're distracted so easily and we have things going on and clients are coming into town to show property and like we're like, you know, bouncy balls. Mm-hmm.
2: So if you do, if you take, let's say $15 an hour times 40 hours a week, times four weeks is a month, times three, 90 days worth of payroll for someone making $15 an hour is $7,200. One transaction. That's one transaction, but that's also seven grand you're gonna lose if you don't make it a priority to give them what they need to set them up for success in their position. And then you're gonna be all the way back at square one. So again, you can't afford not to have those weekly meetings. That as much as I wanna, I mean, you should see my calendar Marguerite between coaching and training and recruiting. I'm stacked from eight to five. Now I love when people cancel because then I get white space that appears on my calendar. (laughs) But that's blocked for an hour and a half on Friday. And as much as I wanna be inclined to go into that lunch with Kaylee and put something in there, I can't. Because that shows her as a leader, that sends the message to her that I don't care about what she's investing in my company, so why would she want to work for me? If I can't take an hour and a half out of my week to spend time pouring into her, why would she want to work for me?
1: Very good point. Very good point. I
2: have a responsibility as a leader to grow my people. I should be empowering them, not impressing
1: them. So that brings me kind of to the next point is that you talked about retention. Mm-hmm. And retention is obviously a huge issue and we've been kind of addressing that. What do you think are the best ways uh, in addition to meeting them every week? Or is that really your main, your main platform with which to keep that retention? There's so much. I think the most important
2: even before meeting is knowing what their big why is, how they want to be incentivized and providing that and making sure that their big why and their opportunity is always fitting inside of your big why and the organization's big why. Um, so it's sitting down with them and finding out what are their goals. I had um, a, a, a woman that she wanted to go to Ireland. And so we sat down and we said, OK, what do you, what's the 135 that you need to do to go to Ireland? She's She said, I don't need to do a 135. There's no way we can do it. We can't afford it. And we sat down and we mapped the goal and I held her accountable and guess what? Six months later, guess where she was?
1: Oh wow, how cool is that? Right?
2: And that's, I mean, that's the important thing. Like, and if I wouldn't have sat down and had her write out her goals, I never would have known that was important to her, right? So it's really asking and then also incentivizing that people leave jobs for better incentives and when they don't feel appreciated.
1: So So asking, oh go ahead. My brother said that people people start to look because they're unhappy, then they'll leave for the money. But people don't usually leave for the money, they leave, they started looking because they weren't happy. Because they don't feel appreciated. And one other thing, we have a lot of listeners that are not also with KW, so can you explain the 135?
2: So 135, and it's any type of goal. Um, So you have one, one main goal, and then you have the three priorities to accomplish that goal and then you have the five action steps that you need to do for each priority.
1: Okay, so let me write this down because I didn't have my yeah. pen handy, hold on. I've heard this before, but I wanna make sure I highlight it. Yeah. The, okay, so there's one main goal. So you have your main goal, and okay. then you
2: set your three
1: priorities.
2: So what are the three top things you need to do to accomplish that goal? So for instance, I'll use myself as an example. When I decided to sell my company or um, dissolve it and, and pass it on, that was the goal right, to get out of my, my current situation. Okay. And then I set three priorities. And the three things I needed to do was, I needed to pass it on to my employees and find people to take over the business. I needed to have six months income in the bank to make sure that I was supported in my new adventure. Okay. And then I believe the, thir- oh, the third one was that I had to figure out what I was gonna do next. Okay. <laughs> right? And so then I take each of those items and I broke down the five action steps that I needed to do. So when I needed to dissolve and, and, and figure out how to find the people, I need to interview people, I need to reach out in my industry who wants to have their own business. I need to put a pro forma together to show why they should take over part of the business. So I set my action plans, right?
1: Okay. So that's so, what it
2: does is it breaks down your main goal and gives you kind of a roadmap of how you're gonna accomplish that.
1: Okay, so number one, pick out what your main goal is. Yes. The three priorities, so let's use our gal who wanted to go to Ireland. Her goal was to yeah. go to Ireland. So what so would she, her three priorities be?
2: So she needed to get the money in the bank, right? To pay for the trip. She had to um, make sure that her business was sustainable for the two weeks that they were gonna be gone.
1: Okay.
2: And she had to put together the trip, the travel plans, the itinerary, book all the items.
1: And so then so, what did her action steps, steps turn out So her There were five do?
2: action steps for the financial were to put a, a, a certain amount away Every month, she was going to pick up some extra um, business to help fund some of it.
1: Okay.
2: And then I don't remember what all five yeah. were, but you know, Along those kind of lines, things. right? Exactly. Okay. And then for her business, she was going to call all her clients, start telling them early, start preparing, making sure her transactions were where they needed to be, and then setting the itinerary, talking to a travel agent, mapping out where they wanted to go, finding the hotels, all of that.
1: So that's what really an agent before they even decide to hire somebody needs to really sit down and figure out their own. Absolutely. Right.
2: What does that person look like? <clears throat> How much money do I need in the bank to support them?
1: And what's my recruiting process gonna be? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, as we, cause we could talk for days and hours, <laughs> I have a feeling. As we um, kind of wind down a little bit today, my question for you is, What is next for you now? So you created this company that you were able to sell and you were Mm -hmm. able to help empower these women to create their own, well, women and guys, I don't know, um, to create their own individual businesses, which I think is really cool, right? sharing the love. And now, now what's next for you? Now, what are you doing? So I'm building my company
2: now. Um, I'm building a team of recruiters and trainers so that we can reach more people and help more agents, um, title companies, lenders, find talent, train them and retain them. We're also, I am starting to do a lot of teaching and leadership and communication between and bridging the gap between ops and sales. So I'm rolling out a class called Bridge the Gap Between Ops and Sales, Systems and Models for Organizational Alignment So it's bringing sales and ops together to communicate and understand one another and um, understand that one can't function with the other. And so I'm doing a lot of that type of teaching. Also, I teach a class called um, when when to hire, how to hire and how to keep. And so it walks you through the recruiting process and how to retain talent and what's important and what you need set up before you go. So my main objective to why I do this is to help people. I want to help people become better leaders, better, better individuals, um, and have, have great lives and just enjoy what they do every day.
1: So are these classes that are live and in-person, or do you have online classes and courses available as well?
2: Right now, the two classes I'm developing are, are live. I come into the brokerage office or the, um, or the market centers and I teach them. I also have an online program that we've developed that we're still building. Um, it's, it's available now, but we're continuing to build it um, more. And it teaches the contract to close process. So it's called the Transaction Management Academy. We found that that was the hardest piece for agents to teach an admin. And so it's a series of videos and step-by-step in- instructions that can be customized to their business to help train their admin on contract to close. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm so glad that Matt connected us because this has been a great conversation. We clearly uh, talk about a lot of the same things having been in you know this business for a while. And I really encourage any agent who needs, who really wants to go to that next level, you've got to get help. I don't I mean I don't even know what else to tell you because it's they talk about a glass ceiling well there's no glass ceiling with the glass ceiling is your own head bouncing along the top because you (laughs) won't get help right absolutely I mean you've got to get help and the most successful people I know of all time have either ask for help get help enlist help you know so learn to delegate what you hate
2: leverage 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 yourself professionally leverage yourself domestically I have Prepared meals delivered every Wednesday (laughs) and Sunday because I ain't got time during the week to be cooking and figuring out what I need to do. You know, I have a dog walker, I have a dry cleaner, I, you know, I do all of those things because my hourly rate. Is not the same as theirs and it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I have more time to spend with my family because I spend that little bit extra money to leverage myself domestically. I mean it's exactly it's, it's all about leverage. If I don't have a team of people around me, then I can't help more people. So I say by not leveraging, you're really being selfish because you're not allowing yourself the opportunity to help others and to serve others.
1: Do you know that there are people out there that love to do laundry? yes i can't even it believe it the street from me <laughs> i'm like you what do you mean you love like i have never done laundry funny spray i've told this story before we got new my husband does his own laundry and then i have a housekeeper who does our laundry and my husband doesn't he likes to do his own so that that we had to order a new washer and dryer because i was broke so the guy comes to deliver it and my husband and i are there and he goes he goes okay ma'am would you like to come over here so i can show you a few things about the washer and my husband busts up and starts rolling on the floor he goes oh you might want to show me <laughs> <laughs> I know there's people that love to iron too. I, I like more craziness. craziness. I'd
2: rather scratch my eyeballs
1: out. <laughs> well, Brindley, this has been a great conversation. I hope we can uh, meet in person one of these days because you are a kick and I really enjoyed this this conversation today. Thank I you so much. Too.
2: And thank you. It's an honor. And guys, if you want um, some information on talent, if you go to talentmistakes.com, I have an ebook, super short, and it gives you 10 Um, mistakes that you make when you hire and retain talent. So check it out. And um, hopefully, and if if you have any questions, I'm on Facebook, Brinley Checker, pretty easy to find. So love to help you guys. And
1: we will have um, her website and ways to reach her in the show notes uh, at the end of the show today. So you can check it out on iTunes. Be sure to check us out at realestaterealworld.com. And we love your reviews. They help push us up in the ratings so that more people can hear us and hear great guests like Brinley. Thank you so much for joining us today on Real Estate Real World. Go out and make it a fantastic day.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite master class in raising the bar on the real estate industry.